Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. Today's guest is an emotional eating expert and author of Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. Her name is Trisha Nelson. Welcome to the show, Trisha. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, when I told my audience about this, they were pretty excited, naturally, because it's, I mean, obviously we all eat. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I straight, straight away when I was, I was looking into your stuff, I was sort of thinking about, you know, various times in my life when I've sort of like done comfort eating and stuff like that. So it's, sure. it's something that we can all kind of uh, relate to. No um, question about it. One thing I wanted to to sort of touch on straight away, uh, because I noticed this in your bio, you actually had your own kind of weight loss journey, which is what kind of started all of this and eventually you sort of going into what you do now. So I kind of wanted to ask you, at what point did you decide to make that change? And how did you go about that change? Like, talk us through that process. Sure. Yeah, I was uh, really hopeless. I mean, I, I think as far back as I can remember, I was an emotional eater and very much obsessed with food. Um, of course, I wasn't aware of being an emotional eater. That's kind of a newish term, you know, and so I just thought I like food. I like to cook. I like to, you know, prepare food for other people, go out to dinner, you know, the whole nine yards, but food was a big highlight for me. And so I didn't think a lot about it. But I did think a lot about my weight because I was overweight. And by age 20, I was 50 pounds overweight. Um, and so that was really frustrating to me. And I tried all the diets and pills and potions and lotions and 12-step programs and self-help books. I tried so many things and nothing really gave me, you know, the, the success I was looking for. I mean, I could lose weight for a period of time, but I'd always gain it back. So I'd like lose 30, then gain 20 of it back and then lose 10 and then go up 20, you know, it was just all over the map. And I had like five different sizes of pants in my closet. Cause I never knew what size I was going to be. So it's very much a yo-yo dieter, you know? And so it was so frustrating. Um, and one day my sister, you know, came home and announced that she was an emotional eater and mm. I did not like my sister. And so I pretty much discounted everything she said. So I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> but once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And so after that, I started to notice like, wow, my eating is not normal. Like I, I'm not exactly like my friends. Like we'd go out to eat and um, you know, they'd order a sandwich and it would come with fries and they'd eat their sandwich and pick up their fries. Well, I'd eat my fries and pick up my sandwich. And I'd be like, I'd sit there and think, how could they leave French fries on their plate? Like that's like, that's the best part, you know? And so I started to realize that my eating was different. Like somebody would be having a hot fudge sundae, you know, ice cream with fudge sauce and all this. And, and, and they'd like eat part of it and then they'd push it away and say, oh, I just can't eat anymore. And I'd think, what? Like, what, how could you leave that in the dish? Like, that's crazy. I would never do that. So I started to realize I was not the same as my friends. And so over time, I really noticed that my relationship was very emotional, my relationship with food, and it went way beyond what I needed nutritionally, I was comfort eating a lot. And so um, that really started to weigh on me, so to speak. And then the weight, of course, um, was a problem. Um, but I felt very hopeless. And so my turning point came when I had lost quite a lot of weight, 
um, and was just about to gain it back. Like that, I had done that so many times. And I was at this point where I thought, you know what, I'm about to go up the scale again. I started to kind of lose control. And I thought, I can't do this for the rest of my life. It's so unhealthy and it's frustrating because I'm trying. Like, it's not like I'm just sitting around eating bonbons. Like I, I really am giving it a serious college try here and nothing's working. So by the grace of God, I met somebody who was a spiritual healer who had been obese and lost the weight. And I was able to show me that my problem really wasn't food or weight. It was a deeper issue. I had to take that deeper journey within and deal with the underlying causes. And that turned everything around for me. And, and I began to just live this healing path of clearing out the things that were, were blocking me and making me feel bad about myself. So in the process of cleaning up my eating and getting, you know, really having a whole new relationship with food, I also was having a new relationship with myself and they really, they go hand in hand. And that's, that's what changed everything for me. And then from that point on, I started working to help others to have the experience I had had. And that's how Heal Your Hunger came about, you know, several decades later, but that's, that's what's resulted in the work that I do. Um, with people all around the globe who have emotional eating. Right. And this is the uh, this podcast that you host that's uh-huh. um, centered around this. Like, tell us a little bit more about this podcast and, and kind of like what, what is the purpose of it? What's the structure? What, what can people kind of come to expect each time they listen to it? Yeah. So the Heal Your Hunger show, um, which can be found on, you know, most searches for a podcast, um, the Heal Your Hunger show, I've had like, over 300 episodes and there's a balance between uh, my experiences. So I do kind of a riffing show, which is just me Mm. talking about the latest aha I've had in my own life and my experience with food and really my experience with life, because my show is not about diets and calories and, you know, what you should eat, because my experience is anybody who struggles with food and weight is pretty clued in as to what they should and shouldn't be eating. You know, like salads are typically healthier than pizza, right? Um, pizza and cookies. <laughs> so, so it's not like we're stupid. Like we get it. We know it's healthy, but the kicker is that we can't follow through on what we know. And so mm. that gap of knowing what to eat, but not being able to follow through, that's really where you know, where my show comes in. And I talk about that gap because my experience is it's not really an eating problem as much as it's a living problem, you know, and the way we live, the way we show up in life is creating the stress that we then stress eat over. And so that's really what I talk about is, is real stuff, emotions, relationships, you know, places of friction in our life that we tend to resort to food to deal with. I think that with, with the kind of the crux of the argument that you're you're proposing um there's a lot that i agree with but then there's kind of elements that i'm unsure about like I, right. I, give, I give you an example like um sure obviously there are people out in the world that you know have high uh, sorry low metabolism uh so obviously they pick up weight just quicker and some people have the reverse as well so they can like never put on weight i've, I've had friends who've had that issue too yeah. um and then of course there's just people that are unfortunately born larger and they have to work let's say like three four times the work in terms of things like exercise and and what they eat in order to to change the situation um what would you say like how how does what you do kind of uh mix with that because I feel like 
with eating like it, there is always an emotional relationship with food it's it's just the nature of, of what it is and what it represents for us as human beings but in those particular instances like uh do you think there's still an emotional link there or is it just purely like a physical issue that they have to try and overcome i think it's rarely just physical hmm. i mean i had a slow metabolism i gained weight and, and into the genetics also both my parents were overweight growing up so i have you know this genetics are stacked against me okay. um for sure um you know and yet i also had this very involved re relationship with food that went beyond nutritional so um, while there are definitely physical issues, you know, there can be hormonal imbalances, there right. can be medic medications that cause weight gain for sure. But typically, even if somebody has some of those imbalances, um, if it's been a chronic struggle for them, typically there's emotional eating involved as well. They may not be aware of it. Like emotional eating is still somewhat of a new concept. So I have people tell me, you know, they're obese and they say, I don't, I don't think I'm an emotional eater. You know, what I tell them is, well, it's possible, but what's also possible is you just don't know it because it's working, <laughs> you know, like, like the thing about emotional eating is we eat to numb out, to numb our feelings. And so, and it's effective. Like when we eat carbs and sugar and, you know, high calorie foods, we don't feel as much. And so we're not aware of our feelings, in which case we could be like, emotions, what emotions, but it doesn't mean we're not emotional eating. So a lot of it's just one's awareness. And that's why I appreciate you having me on the show because the more people, as I said, you can't unlearn this stuff. You know, it's like, once you start to see it, it's really hard to forget it. So, you know, I would just say if somebody is, you know, if it's been a struggle for any length of time, you know, and the yo-yoing is happening or just, and, and even, you know, there are like a lot of myths around emotional eating. Like somebody doesn't have to be overweight to be an emotional eater. Mm. Like you can still have a very emotional attachment to food and be a normal weight. You just might exercise more or be very controlling around what you eat, but you can still be super tied in on an emotional level of food. Also, like you brought up, you can be somebody who's got a really speedy metabolism or somebody who undereats. Yeah. But in my experience, if you're very controlling or restrictive with food, that's emotionally driven as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so typically it's like, you know, we're controlling because we're afraid of, to be out of control, you know? And so that's a thing too. Why are you afraid to be out of control? Well, because I probably would be if I weren't restricting so tightly, you know? And so, and I'm also super obsessed with my weight. Like I'm so scared of getting fat, you know, and that's, that's a thing in and of itself. So Emotionally, yeah, I use the words emotional eating as sort of umbrella, you know, term for disordered eating of any kind. Okay. So when we just have this relationship with food that's involved and, you know, uh, complicated, it's generally, you know, a subset of emotional eating in general. So I don't call them eating disorders because people think bulimia, anorexia, that the extremes but it doesn't have to be that. And it's really a spectrum. You know, I, as you said, I think we all comfort eat. I totally agree. I think we're hardwired to have some kind of emotional connection with food. So we will eat, you know, <laughs> like we can't blow it off. We got to do it. And so I think we're just made to have something, you know, that kicks in where there is some emotional satisfaction from eating as well as the physical nourishment. Um, it's just that some people take it too far uh, like I did 
it. I was a binge eater. I could eat 3000 calories in a sitting, mm. you know, I'd eat uh, ice cream and then cookies. And then you have to have some salty with the sweets. So then I have the chips, you know, and it just kind of went on and on to the point where I felt so sick. I was hating myself and just like, what have I done? Why did I do that? I should have been more careful. Like, what was I thinking? You know, and so that's on the higher end of the spectrum. I was more of a food addict, um, you know, versus just an emotional eater. So I, I have a quiz on my website that's free that people can take and find out where they are on that spectrum because it's definitely a spectrum. We're not all in the same place. Our relationship with food is very individual. You know, our relationship with food is very similar to our relationship with money. Like we have to have it, like to get on in this world, we have to have it and we have to deal with it and manage it, you know, and sometimes we can get out of control or we can go to the extremes. Like we can be super miserly, you know, and barely spend any money or we can binge spend, you know, or run ourselves up into debt, you know, and so it's a constant relationship that's growing and changing and flowing, you know, and it's very much indicative of our relationship with ourselves, you know, so both food and money, you know, are very similar in that we have to deal with ourselves and what's going on on the inside. If we really want to have peace and flow on the outside with these symptoms. Couldn't agree more with that. Um, yeah, this past year and a half is I've very much been, um, on that kind of wave as far as not, not just with food, but just in general, I think is, is a good kind of life lesson. But um, <laughs> I had a bit of an experience recently because in what you were just talking about there, I'd probably place myself at the kind of like food addicts thing, you know, like I can be healthy. I know how to eat properly. I know how to be sensible, when to train more, etc. But yeah, I definitely eat a lot. And <laughs> um, there's this place that I do volunteering at every Monday. Right. And uh, at one point they asked me to help out in the kitchen. And I did it a few times. It was it was a new thing to me because I normally help out elsewhere in, in this place. Right. And uh, so naturally, obviously, you know, you, you cook the food, whatever, and you start dishing it out to people. Right. And people obviously uh, pick their portions that like you can kind of you're going to go like, would you like some more less? Like, what would you like? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And I kind of just put, started putting out the portions and, and like I saw the look on people's faces like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like it is oh uh right yeah because to me that's normal but right 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 I would I would have done the same thing <laughs> it's yeah but you're right though it's a hard thing you I mean it's I, I agree with your 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 um analysis of it being like a spectrum I think it's it's relative for everyone and, and you know we're we're, so, we're all so different you know like um this leads me to my next point actually so uh, you, you, in um, a lot of, of your studies and, and everything that you do, you, you have this kind of free meal magic concept that you've sort of referred to in various interviews and stuff. And when I looked into it, it's basically the standard kind of, you know, three meals a day, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner, however you want to do it, but like stick into that concept. And I think for many people that can work, uh, I found it doesn't personally work for me. I feel like two meals a day seems to work well. I, I just can't eat breakfast for whatever reason don't know why I haven't been able to since a young, young age. Um, so I guess my question in this is like, can this realistically be applied to everyone or do we kind of need to figure out our own routines where this is concerned? Yeah, well, the three meal magic plan, which is eating three meals with nothing in between, 
is a very balanced way to eat. Um, and, and I find I do a lot of networking with uh, kind of cutting edge holistic health practitioners and doctors. And nowadays it really is the trend. You know, it used to be, oh, six small meals or whatever, always keep eating. And, you know, mm. that's exhausting mm. <laughs> to be thinking about food all day long. Yeah. Um, so, so nowadays um, I find that a lot of, you know, sort of forward thinking nutritionists and health gurus are now talking about the three meals because it gives your body time to digest. Right. You know, we know a lot more about our digestive system and how intelligent it is and, you know, putting food in and then giving it a rest, you know, and not keeping feeding the funnel, putting food in the funnel is really healthy because it does give your body time to do what it needs to do with that food and, you know, get the nutrients where they need to go and, you know, the waste where it needs to go. So um, generally just physically it's recommended but not for everybody. You know, my experience is we can't, well, I'll just finish that thought and just say that for me, it's not the physical as much as it is the emotional because when we're eating all day and emotional eaters tend to be snackers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, nibbling all day long just keeps us numb and unaware of what our feelings are. And so the three meal magic for me is a way for people to start tuning into what those emotions are. And if you, you, it's hard to heal your hunger if you don't feel some hunger. And so when you feel a little bit of hunger, you also get more in tune with some of the emotions that may be driving your eating. And so it's really more of a tool to begin, begin to have more of an emotional connection with what's going on internally. Um, but I will say that my recommendation to my clients is always that they, first of all, deal with their emotions so they can differentiate between physical and emotional hunger um, but also to follow their body's guidance. And I am in no position to tell people what to eat, when to eat or anything. I'll give you a rec. I mean, I've been doing this work for over 30 years. I'll give you a recommendation that if you're an emotional eater, probably the easiest plan is going to be the three meals because they're an equally spaced out and equally sized meals in general, like the same rough amount of calories per meal. So you, your body gets used to the same amount of food each mealtime. And then that helps you know when it's physical or, or emotional hunger as well, because you get used to a certain amount of food and then you can kind of tell when you're full um, or still hungry. Um, but that said, ultimately, it's really important that we listen to the wisdom of our divinity, you know, and our bodies, you know, which to me, it's all, it's all housed in the same place. Our body temple houses our, our divine wisdom. And so, um, I mean, spiritually speaking. So my experience, I tell people, we all have a divine physician, you know, and the more still and quiet we get, the less activity we have in our life because overeaters tend to be overdoers. So I certainly recommend slowing down and tuning in. You know, the more we do tune in though, the more we'll know what's right for our bodies. Now I do have clients who are on the two meal plan when they come to me for help with emotional eating. And I do find that sometimes they ju it's just a distribution issue. Like because they eat two meals, they're not hungry for breakfast. Like if you eat a bigger meal at dinner, you're, you're not really going to be hungry for breakfast. So if you kind of change the quantities and start, you know, putting it in three different packages, you know, of meals, um, chances are you can start to develop hunger in the, in the morning, but that's not to say that's your case. You know, you, you know, what's best for your body. Um, and that's really the key in my experience is, you know, not to have, 
the stimuli, stimuli come from outside of us, but to start to listen inside. So you can read books, you can listen to gurus, you know, um, get help specifically for emotional eating, which is what I do, obviously. But I always want to defer to people's, you know, divine physician and say, you ultimately know best. You can, you're the one who feels what happens in your body when you eat, you know, and don't eat. Um, and so ultimately it's really about getting a connection with yourself so you can listen more, you know, intently into what's best for you. Uh, what are the most surprising statistics that you've discovered with your studies into emotional eating? Um, well, I think, I mean, there's not a lot that's surprising to me because I've been an emotional eater for so long and I've been researching this for so long, but surprising to other people, I think are some of the, you know, think the busting of the myths, like the idea that you don't have to be a binger to be an, a, an emotional eater. Like people think that somebody who sits down and eats 3000 calories like I did, but that's not true. You know, it can be some, somebody who just, you know, is obsessed with food. Like, even though they're very controlled with food, still, if it preoccupies their mind, like they can't stop thinking about food and it takes them out of their present, that can be a sign of emotional eating, you know, or they're just super obsessed with their body. Like they can't mm. let go of their self-criticism around their body. You know, they can't stop thinking there's something wrong with them, you know, and the more we think there's something wrong with us, guess what, the more there is something wrong with us. And so um, that the feeling of peace around one's body is very elusive when you're an emotional eater. Because um, that, that plays into the whole thing, you know, the, all the games we play with food. Um, also, people, you know, sometimes an emotional eater eating takes uh, the form of just the food choices that we make. So if we're choosing, if we tend to be into the carbs, like we can't stay away from bread or we're always, you know, if we have a choice of broccoli or potatoes, we eat potatoes, you know, if you have a choice of a banana or an apple, we eat the banana, we eat the heavier, more dense foods, more carb rich foods because they serve a purpose of deadening our emotions. So you don't have to be a binger to be an emotional eater, just some of your choices. If they're there, we're choosing those because that makes us feel more grounded and safe because it's heavier and more dense, that's an emotional choice as well. So there's a lot more to it than just like eating too much or binge eating. So um, yeah. So I guess like in a way, almost what you're saying as well is that like in our kind of, um, how can I put this? When we're trying to become full, you know, to, to you know, feel full so we have energy and stuff actually what we're really doing is trying to kind of fill some sort of emotional hole or feel better about ourselves and stuff like that so it's, it's, it's yeah. a deeper like whether we believe that or not is kind of what you're saying it's still the case yeah absolutely and again thank you for having me on because i think anytime somebody hears this kind of conversation it's going to drop them deeper, you know, mm. it's going to help. It's at least food for thought, right? Hey. <laughs> so, um, so yes, absolutely. You know, and what's also true, another common myth is that it's about the food and the weight and it really isn't, you know, I mean, overweight comes from overeating and overeating comes from what's eating me. And so, um, I think it, it's so, intuitive that we would just think if I, I feel fat or my pants don't fit, I got to do something about my weight. I got to attack it, go get 
on a diet, get the, you know, the next fad diet Mm. and restrict my eating and exercise a lot and I'll be good. The problem is it doesn't usually work out that way. So, you know, statistically speaking, 98% of all diets fail. And so that's a abysmal statistic. So if somebody chronically struggles with food and weight and they go on a diet, they're going to gain the weight back if they lose any, you know, they're going to gain it back within, you know, for me, it was weeks. I mean, I could diet for a couple of weeks and I'd be like, Katie, bar the door. Like I've got to have my sweets, you know, cause I was a sugar addict, but, um, in general, the diet mentality of, attacking it at the symptom level, the symptom of food and weight will fail because, you know, we didn't get overweight just by overeating. It, it did come from what's eating us. And so that's where we need to drop into in order to have lasting success with weight loss. And so, you know, that's a deeper conversation, but we have to get off the diet track. And so, so much of what I do is try to get my clients to stop the black and white thinking this food is good. This food is bad. Mm. You know, I did good today. You know, we all have, I'm did good. I must be doing good. And then boom, next day, you know, we're in the food again. So um, I try to get people off the diet mentality. I even tell them to throw away their scales. <laughs> so, um, or at least hide them <laughs> somewhere. Uh, they can't get to them regularly, you know, because we have to stop focusing on the symptom and start dealing with the, the real problem, you know, and what is the real problem? Well, my experience is, it's not an eating problem, but a living problem. And what I mean by that is there's certain ways that we are living that create the stress that we stress eat over, you know? And so we have to deal with our stress. We have to look at what's causing the stress and how can we make changes in how we live so we don't end up, you know, with so much stress that we stress eat over and that, you know, no diet's going to give you that. And, and diets don't give you tools, you know, replacement tools. I mean, we diet, we take away all our yummy foods and we expect to be happy. Well, what we've taken away is our primary coping tool, you know, and we have to have new coping tools if we're going to stay, you know, with our healthy eating plan and diets don't give you healthy coping tools, you know? And so that's what we need is we need a new way to deal with our stress, a new way to cope with life's problems uh because before food was our you know that's what we turned to so we have to have a new way of coping and so i always say it's a living problem not an eating problem let's let's start addressing our living problem and ways to and, and you know be healthy around pro- the problems of life um would you say that according to statistics that women are more prone or men are more prone to emotional eating I think it's probably women, you know, I mean, certainly women are more aware of it, but I think Mm. women, I think, you know, typically we're more emotional, Um, you know, we're more in touch with our emotions. We react to life in, in a more emotional way versus intellectual mental way. Um, and we also are more in touch with our emotions typically than men are. Again, I'm generalizing. It's not true for everybody. Um, but uh, yeah. And, and I also, you know, I think women's bodies, we tend to gain weight very easily. You know, we have, we store more fat. So it's more of a, 
relationship, right? It's more of a rocky relationship, this food thing, you know, with our bodies and gaining weight easily. So I wish more men, I mean, there's certainly a huge, you know, obesity issue with men as well as women. So there's no question a lot more men are, are emotionally eating than they're aware of. Um, and I wish they would, you know, get more hip to it, but it's, it's happening more and more, you know, um, but it's vital for men and women to start realizing that we are emotional beings, like it or not. And often we're turning to food to stuff those emotions. Mm. Uh, would you say there is a emotional reason for why we tend to feel sick when we're hungry? Or is it purely just that we're, our bodies are missing things that we need? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you mean by sick exactly. So, so like, you know, like when it's, when you haven't eaten for like a long time and you're, you know, you really need to eat kind of thing. And like, yeah. typically, typically I think many of us would probably think that's like what I need to eat. <laughs> yeah. My body's well, missing certain things. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's natural. Like, of right. course we're going to be hungry. I mean, that's, you know, when I get hungry, it's been five or six hours from my last meal, I start to get a little cranky and like, where's the food, <laughs> you know, so and I'm on the three meal magic plan. So, you know, I don't snack in between. Um, I hold out for my next meal. But um, and I do things to help that, you know, some self care tools that can help lessen my sense of urgency around food. But yeah, I think those are normal signals that our body gives us you know, again, so we will eat. Yeah. So there's no, there's no like emotional reason there. It's purely just body driven. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I know I kind of felt like silly asking that, but it was, a, <laughs> it's okay. it was, it was a question for one of my followers. And I thought, you know what, there, there might be something in that, you know, I think that, cause one of the things I think I've discovered with this conversation is, um, as you say, there is that kind of deeper link, you know what I mean? Because I think a lot of the time, many of us just dismiss this idea that emotions are attached to eating, except for when we're comforting. Like obviously we all realize that that's purely emotion because we feel bad. First thing we yeah. do eat to feel better. And we know that consciously it's the same reason yeah. we, we, you know, some of us drink or some of us have snacks or whatever. Sure. It's, it's all yeah. tied together. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's also important to know too, that, um, we do have, you know, I find that emotional eaters do have kind of an internal alarm system. So not only if we haven't, if we haven't eaten for a long period of time, not only are we super hungry and we have the regular hunger signals, but we do often also have kind of an alert system where we might have a deep lying belief. It's kind of um, primitive. That's that we're going to die if we don't get food. So my feelings around food could be a little more dramatic than your average person, uh, where when I'm super hungry, part of me feels like I will die if I don't eat soon, which is totally irrational. <laughs> but if you've used food as your primary way of coping in life, like as a kid, we didn't have a lot of options, you know, as kids, you know, for numbing out, for killing pain or dealing with trauma. And so food was right there, there for us. I mean, say, you know, you could argue food saved our lives, you know, for emotional eaters that had trauma, especially, um, mm. you know, when you didn't have ways to deal with the pain and, and you overate, which I did, um, you know, it, it might've saved us. It might've helped us from, you know, jumping off a bridge. So I'm very grateful for food from that standpoint, but I also got that sort of internal cue system 
that was like, because food was a survival skill for me, overeating, you know, I, that there's still that, that underlying belief, kind of primitive belief that, you know, if I don't eat, I'll die. Um, what's the best way to support a person that's suffering from an eating disorder? So it's not you, it's, it's, you know, you see a person they're in need, you know, what, what can you do as a friend or a family member? Yeah, it's very hard. You know, if somebody's not ready to deal with it, they may be touchy and, you know, uh, defensive. Um, and they might have had several people talk to them, in which case they're, they feel alienated. You know, I, I do recommend my book, my Heal Your Hunger book, um, which is on Amazon, because uh, it's sometimes a good way to kind of introduce the idea to somebody. Because a lot of people, especially if they're overweight, they've tried so many things to stop overeating. And it's mostly been symptom related, like they've been doing the diets, they've been doing the weight loss programs, and it hasn't worked because it's symptom related, it doesn't deal with the real problem. So there's a big sense of defeat. And you kind of feel like a loser, like, wow, everybody seems to lose weight, but me, you know, and nothing works for me. So, so in their mind, it's like to, to have somebody say, gee, you know, it'd be great if you lost weight. First of all, duh, they're very aware of it, <laughs> you know? Um, but also part of them may feel like, yeah, I've tried everything. I can't do another diet. Like it's mm. done, like, like to suggest that I do something by my weight to them means I should go on another diet, but I've tried so many and they haven't worked. So there's sort of a sense of defeat you know, and hopelessness. And so the good news is, is there is another way you don't have to diet in order to lose weight. You can address emotional eating, your relationship with food, you know, lower your stress and, and have new self-care tools and boom, in a non-dieting fashion, you can lose weight and keep it off. That's what I teach. Um, so what I recommend is my book to people, cause it's sort of a very gentle, you can say, Hey, I, learned, I heard this cool podcast. This guy does these really cool interviews. And I heard this woman talk about her weight struggles, you know, and her journey of healing it's in this book, you know? And so I've recommended people give that book and I've had people be very successful with that. Like, this is a really cool idea because it has nothing to do with diets. And I think that's the important thing to say to somebody is like, there is a way to have a healthier relationship with food. And you don't even have to talk about weight loss or weight gain if somebody's underweight. Could just talk about a healthier relationship with food. Obviously, it's, it's a whole book. It's um, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. We obviously talked about it in the preamble. Um, in your best way of sort of summarizing it, what are these kind of seven simple steps? Obviously, you've already highlighted it's about addressing that deeper issue, the emotional things that are within us uh, and addressing that as opposed to addressing the, as you put it, you know, the, um, the treating the issue and not the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. symptom, not the problem. Symptom. That's the word I was. Looking for. <laughs> there you go. Um, um, yeah. 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 So my process, it, which is very, it's laid out in seven steps for sure. And, and the nice thing about what I offer people is it's not nebulous. You know, you'll hear around the food conversation words like moderation, just moderate, like just moderate how many sweets you eat. Well, for an emotional eater, that's not so easy. <laughs> you know, like, like I can't just moderate it. Once I eat one, I want to eat a whole lot, right. you know? 
Um, we hear people talk about intuitive eating. Well, the problem with me is my intuition was off on food because of my emotional life that was dysregulated and I was using food to, to cover up. So I would intuit that I should eat way more times than I should, <laughs> you know? So my intuition was off. So intuitive eating didn't really serve me. And then the idea of mindful eating didn't really serve me because I could be mindful that I was overeating, but it didn't stop me from overeating. So, um, and again, those concepts are sound, but put them through the lens of an emotional eater and the experience of an emotional eater, they don't always pan out. So I have a very specific step-by-step -step process so that people can take the, you know, sort of the woo-woo out of it, the nebulousness out of it and have very specific steps. So the steps, um, you know, it would take a long time to go through all of them, but uh, what they are, it's a process of starting to get in tune and in touch, um, a process of getting centered. So one of the steps is literally centeredness. And in that, um, in that process is uh, six self-care success secrets. And these are ways of bringing down the stress, starting the day uh, by putting money in your spiritual bank account is what I call it. Because by, you know, our willpower is strongest in the morning and it wanes, you know, as the day goes on because we're adding stress to our day. That's why people have trouble at the end of the day or late afternoon, like they're tired, they've got a slump and they're looking for chocolate or coffee as a quick fix, you know, well, meditation can help with that, you know, writing, reading, going for a walk, you know, so I have self-care tools for people, but we start first thing in the morning with uh, putting money in our spiritual bank account with things that can bring down our stress and help us just get centered. You know, when we wake up and we start reacting to the stress of the day, the emails, you know, the, the text, the Instagram, uh, all of a sudden we're just ricocheting off of one demand and the next. And it's really important to start the day getting still and quiet and centered, like tapping in and tuning in with our divine self, you know, and then we can go through the day drawing on, you know, the money we put in that spiritual bank account. So later in the day, we can draw from that resource because when we're at our resources, we turn to food, you know, for quick energy. That's just what we depend on. And we have to develop these self-care tools. And so that's, a, you know, a big part of what I teach. I also teach um, communication skills because emotional eaters tend to eat their words. Okay. They tend to be afraid of saying how they feel about something. And so um, I really teach them how to start speaking up because they don't know, like we're such emotional eaters or people pleasers. So we want everybody to like us. <laughs> and so um, it's hard for us to speak up for ourselves. It's hard to say, no, that's not okay. Or no, that doesn't work for me. Or I'd rather go to this restaurant instead of that one, because it's a lot less greasy. It's got cleaner place to eat. Like even saying our choice of restaurant sometimes can be hard. Like standing for ourselves, typically our self-esteem has been pretty battered, you know, mm -hmm. growing up with a weight problem, let's say, or just feeling different in some way. And so having the self-esteem to stand for our choices and our preferences is not easy. So um, there's a lot of that involved. Um, there's, there's community, you know, my programs are all about connecting, um, in community. And I have a, a free Facebook group that's private 
that people can connect with other emotional eaters. So community is very important as well because emotional eaters tend to think they're the only ones who've done the crazy things they've done with food. You know, like I used to, I mean, honestly, when I binged, and I'd be done. Like I couldn't eat, I couldn't possibly eat anymore. And I tried vomiting that didn't work. So thank God. Um, so I would just stuff myself and then it feels so gross that I'd throw the rest of the food out when I just couldn't possibly eat another bite. I'd throw the rest of the food out. But later, later, Christian, I would go back and I'd dig out those cookies that I knew were there. And I'd be like, Oh my God, like I just ate food from the trash. Like how bad am I, you know, but turns out lots of emotional eaters have done crazy stuff. Like I even had people giving me tips, like, cause I did the YouTube video. On that <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, Hey, here's something you haven't figured out. Try this yeah. One. Yeah. They're like, Oh, I put coffee grounds after I throw the food out. I put coffee grounds or I dishwashing soap on it. So I can't possibly go back and get it. I'm like, well, I never thought of that. So, you know, clearly it's, we're not the only ones who've done these crazy things. So when we get in community with other people mm. who have this problem, oh my God, it takes so much the shame out of it, the isolation out of it. It enables us to really start to, you know, feel you know, to be on a healing path and feel like we're not so bad after all, we're just, you know, we're not bad getting good. We're, we're, you know, unwell getting well. And so that helps so much. So those are a few of the steps, you know, in my process. Thank you for sharing. Um, what do you think are some of the best kind of resources out there then for emotional eaters right now like what, what's, a, what's a good place to start I mean obviously yeah they can read your book they can obviously uh take certain steps with their current diet but you know obviously you mentioned that there's a community element and I think that is always much more well just better in general when, when you know there's other people who understand your struggle who are right there with you um so yeah what are the best resources out there um, well, my, my uh, private group on Facebook is called The Secret Sauce to End Emotional Eating. And so I certainly recommend people check out that. Um, I also have a really active Instagram feed with really cool posts. And that's at Trisha Nelson underscore underscores at the end of the word Nelson. So it's Trisha Nelson underscore. And that's really supportive. And then my podcast as well, for sure. Um, you know, and, and my book, as I mentioned, but I do have programs If people really want to like fast track their results. Um, I do offer programs, you know, specifically for people to join up with, um, a community of people who are going through my step-by-step -step process. So I offer that as well. It's just really important to not try to do it alone, you know, and, and, to, to not try to figure it out on your own either, because people are so ashamed of getting help with their food issue. But, you know, hiring a coach is not a shameful thing. And people mm -hmm. who are, you know, wanting to excel in sports, you know, um, you know, our, our tennis, tennis players, our tennis stars, I mean, they have more, one coach, if not two coaches, you know, people in business, CEOs, they have business coaches you know, trainers, you know, if we want to learn how to work out right, we're going to get a trainer, you know, but when it comes to food, it's like, oh, no, I got it. I'll figure it out on my own. Well, really, like, how long have you been struggling with this thing? So hmm. chances are you don't know how to do it, get help, you know, it's just don't make it so hard on yourself, because that, you know, reaching out for help is one of the best steps you can take. Um, and also, I just want to mention that um, I had uh, spoke spoken of my quiz earlier. And that's a great first step for people 
is to take that quiz and find out where they are on the emotional eating spectrum. And that's at healyourhunger.com. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a really positive way of looking at it, actually. I think, um, I suppose, yeah, the biggest thing that affects us generally with eating, overeating, binge eating, whatever the case may be, is is that feeling of guilt. But yeah, if you if you start to look at it more practically, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, obviously the, the richest in society tend to have a nutritionist or something like that, which isn't really that dissimilar from 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 a coach or, or, or whatever. You know, it's it's basically just someone informing you, hey, you should consider this, you should consider yeah. this. A consultant, you know, we got all sorts of people like that in our lives for various things. So yeah, it makes sense that we would have that for what we eat. <laughs> yeah. The, well, and the thing is, you know, to take the shame out of it even more is that food is the hardest of all addictive habits to overcome because we have to eat. You know, we have to eat three times a day. If you're an alcoholic, you put the plug in the jug and you get it out of your house. But food, you can't do that with. And so it's very complicated. Plus, we usually started using food as a coping tool a lot earlier than we did alcohol or drugs or something like that. So it's really important to realize that, you know, it is so tricky, you know, because you're basic. I always say with food, you have to take the tiger out of the cage, pet the kitty three times a day and put it back in the cage without getting your ass torn off, <laughs> you know? So that's tricky. That's tricky business. So you might want to get support for that. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to flip it up and ask you something totally unrelated to emotional uh -huh. eating. I asked every guest of mine this question and I always get a unique response. What's the biggest life lesson that you've learned so far? Um, I would say that I, I have to get in touch with my emotions and address my emotions if I expect to have a successful life. Like I can't ignore them. I used to think Christian that there was something wrong with me because I had emotions. I thought, oh, normal people don't hmm. have emotions. They just are mental and physical. And this is way back when I was a kid, but, but then I realized no emotion, like God made us to have emotions for a reason. And to, to realize that to be a fully, you know, thriving human being, I need to really be integrated with my emotions and emotionally balanced, which I was not. So I've learned how to become emotionally balanced, but not to, to deny that part of myself, not to think there's something wrong with me. If I have an emotional response to something that that's, that's part of being human, you know, and the more I can, you know, stop stuffing my emotions and be more awake to my experience of life, the healthier I'm actually going to be. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I just want to say a massive thank you for, for agreeing to be on the show. Uh, my final question to you is, do you have any upcoming projects or some final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, yeah, I do something called the Quit Sugar Challenge um, quarterly. So if somebody kind of wants to get sugar out of their life, I have a really cool five-day Quit Sugar Challenge um, that they can do if that's something that speaks to them and um, the website for that, you can sign up if it's not happening right away, because this is a podcast, um, you can sign up to get notified when it is coming up. And that's at quitsugarchallenge.com. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And uh, yeah, just th massive thank you. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. You're a great, great host. So thanks for the talk. Thank you. And uh, yeah, to all my listeners of the Christian Reed podcast, thank you very much for listening. Be safe, be well. And until next time, peace out, one love. I'll see you in the next one.